it was kind of on accident. Like it didn't, it wasn't something I set out to do or something I wanted to do. It was kind of like, hey, this is what Rick and Katie are doing. And I've had people like knocking on our door, basically saying like, can you do this for me? And I'm like, Ooh, like, how do I do that, you know, for other people? Hmm. And one of my things is that I really only want to work with people that I enjoy and I want it to be treated like a partnership. I did not want to be in, I didn't want it to be like an employee-employer relationship or a client-customer type relationship. Welcome to the Great Investor Podcast, podcasts about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez, and on today's episode, I've got Katie Puzzitz from Omaha, Nebraska with me. Now, Katie was a stay-at-home mom just a few years ago, and today she owns hundreds of doors through partnerships. See, there's power in partnerships, and Katie displays this better than most. If you are interested in understanding how to build partnerships to build a big empire, then this episode is for you. But not only listen to the how-to of the journey, but the story behind the story of how she got started. Looking forward to diving into this one. What's up, Grid family? Hey, today I've got uh, Katie Klesitz from Actually, you're in Tennessee now, which is kind of crazy, right? Like you moved from San Diego to Tennessee. You're in the middle of the move right now. How's that? How's that going, by the way? Yeah, it's good. Like we're liking it. The kids are settling in, and it feels like it was the right move for us. But for we can't get furniture, so like <laughs> we're looking like college students right now because you can't get furniture for like eight to twelve weeks. So we have mattresses on the floor, but we're we're figuring it out. Well, I'm I'm excited to bring you on here. You know, um, your husband and I go back like when he just first started viral marketing, right? So for those that don't know, Katie's married to Frank Klesitz of Viral Marketing, right? And I've I've been uh, friends with Frank for many years and watched him from afar. Thirteen years. Yeah, and I've and I've always I've always admired his brain, right? Like the guys like admires his brain. Yeah, and so but I saw you know, a few years ago where you guys just started buying and you were the lead on this, just buying lots of houses, like a lot of houses. Right. <laughs> and I loved all the marketing behind how you were buying those houses. And so, um, you know, recently I, like I, I saw you on uh, a video or something. I was like, Oh my God, I, I need to bring her in and introduce her to our grid community so that they can learn about your story, your journey as a real estate entrepreneur and the good, the bad and the ugly, because, you know, being a business owner, you know, it's not always perfect, right? Oh God, <laughs> oh God no, no, no. We, you know, we're, all, we're, we're professional firefighters many times. So um, let's go back. Let's start at kind of like the beginning, right? Of your real estate journey and, uh, and your family journey. A little bit because I think you know it'll be interesting, and and then we can we can go into how you bought as many houses as you. How, how many houses have you bought here over the last so two years? I, over a hundred, but uh, I own a hundred percent of like about sixty or sixty-five, and then I have partners on the rest. Yeah, but you guys have just done that in like a short amount of time, right? So okay, yeah, like I think it's like two two years. Two, two years. Okay. So we're, okay. There's a lot for us to unpack. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's go back in time, mm -hmm. right? How did all this start? 
Right. How did you start this real estate journey? Well, I actually had my real estate license like in my 20s and I sold real estate in Arizona. And I just kind of naturally gravitated towards investors. I was like, hey, like, I'd rather have like two or three clients that I could buy a bunch of houses with <laughs> rather than, you know, like 15 clients or 30 clients, you know, that I buy one house with every seven to 10 years. So I kind of caught the investor bug in my 20s. Well, then I met Frank, had babies, and kind of like let my license go and stayed home for, I want to say, five years. Mm -hmm. um, over the course of that period, like when I met Frank, um, he owned five rental properties in Omaha. And over the course of like when we met, so I don't know, two years ago, we had acquired one to two properties a year. And as of two years ago, we had 15, 15 rental properties. Mm -hmm. Um well, I'm like getting bored being home with the kids. I'm like, I gotta get my my brain's turning to mush. Like, I gotta do something. And how how old are the kids at this stage? Uh, three and four. Okay, okay. They're still like they're still handfuls. Yeah, they're still handfuls, and they're yeah. home. And I'm just like, okay. I thought like I had this idea that I wanted to be this like stay at home mom, and I tried really hard. <laughs> it just but it just didn't fill me up. Like I didn't. I wasn't coming to the kids, like, as a full human, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I was just, like, mm -hmm. I had foggy brain. Like, I wasn't putting, like, what it was I needed, like, in front of what the kids needed in order to be a better mom. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. I need more stimulation. And I love my mommy friends, but I also loved my work, like, my work friends and work conversations. And I found myself gravitating more toward, like, my business friends and those types of conversations. And wanting to not go to the park anymore as a kid, you know, so I was like something kind of has to change. Um, so I, Frank and I, I, he brings me to a business conference. I remember it was at uh, a casino in Arizona. I don't remember what the conference was, but we met with one of our friends named Jeff, and he was—he's a real estate agent, and he was like, "Hey guys, you know, like, we're like Jeff, what have you been up to?" He's like, "Oh, I bought a hundred houses last year." I'm like, "Wait, what?" You know, how did you like buy a hundred houses? He's like the burr strategy. And Frank and I both felt like such idiots. We're like, what's the burr strategy? You know, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, buying a house below market value, going in, renovating it, renting it out, refinancing it, and then repeating it. And we we're like, dude, if he can do this, why can't we do this? Let's figure mm -hmm. this out. We're like, we have to be able to figure this out. Well, after that, like right before that meeting, I had been thinking about getting my real estate license because those commission checks in San Diego looked really appealing. Yeah. But I just didn't want part of me, like, even though I wanted to go back to work, I still wouldn't have the flexibility to still be a mom and still be available for my kids. I didn't want to be driving around in California traffic showing houses. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's put the, re I got my real estate license, never activated it in California. And then went. Frank and I were like, all right, let's go all in on this. And so we decided to start <laughs> mailing. Um, so we did direct mail and started mailing in Omaha, Nebraska. And it just kind of went from there, if that makes sense. Well, like, what people calls and <laughs> now what people need to understand is that you're living in San Diego at the time, right? Yeah. And, and Omaha, no, Nebraska is where Frank in the middle of the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what were you from Omaha as well, or is just Frank's from Omaha? But I have some family yeah. in Omaha, so I was familiar okay. with Omaha. But sure, I did not like Frank. I mean, Frank grew up there, and that's where our first fifteen rental properties had been. 
Yeah, and I remember, you know, the 1% rule. I, yeah, I think I, yeah, it works there. I think I interviewed him the, years ago and he was like, yeah, man, it's just like you could find those all day long here in the MLS. I'm like, really? And I, I should, that, that was five years ago. I should have just, I should have jogged. It might be, you know, if the time went, we'd be even further ahead now, but I'm glad so, practice rates are good too. So you start mailing, right? Oh, yeah. And I think you said the first one that you bought though was off the MLS. Is that right? So that was right before, that was like our 15th one. That was the oh, one got that it. got me, gave me the bug, you know, to like mm-hmm. get back into real estate because it was a, it was a short sale that a friend of ours called. She was an agent that had sold us three or four or four. And she was like, dude, I don't know who else I'm going to sell this house to. Like, I'll take on the project. Like this will be my first project into like starting to get back into it. And that's what kind of got me the bug about like, dude, I want to start buying more investment property. Like how do we do this? And it was taking, so Frank before, Frank and I were saving up twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, you know, like to buy a house after tax income yeah. to buy two or three a year. And that's like, dude, that's a big chunk of change, you know, after tax, like, or raising two kids, living in San Diego. So we were, we were kind of on, like, we were happy we bought three a year, you know, we were like, we were saving everything and every, like, we were living way below our means and pouring everything into buying real estate. Mm -hmm. And we're like, it just has to be a better way. And when we met our friend Jeff in, or connected with our friend Jeff in, um, Arizona and we I mean him and Frank have been friends since college and he told us what we, we were doing. We're like, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's also it's a really great tax saving. Oh yeah, too. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. There's so many benefits. So you 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 and Frank decided to go all in on a burst strategy in Omaha. How many letters were you were you sending out a month? First one. So this don't do this, people, but like first one. He sent out this letter and his marketing is very personal. Like it was very personal. It was like, hey, here's Katie and I, and here's our kids. I think it was a picture actually of him and Melody. He like put her right up in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you sent this to 10,000 people? He's like, it worked, didn't it? I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, hor- I was like horrified. Like using her daughter. She was so cute in this photo. Um, um, he sent out 10,000 letters and he wow. forwarded the number to my cell phone. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? Like, so I was having a panic attack. It's like Russian roulette. Like, am I thinking of my phone as someone's going to scream at me or is someone going to tell me they want to buy the house? And I was like, you have to change this. So it's like, because we didn't know it was going to work. People like, let's just send 10,000 letters and see what happens. If if we get two deals, it makes it worth it. And it was so successful. Like we literally had to build a business and an infrastructure team around it because that one's going to, I'm going to throw my cell phone at someone. Wow. <laughs> calls anymore. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, I'm sure those people had been mailed before, right? So it's just that, you know, Frank was good at personalizing the letter and not making you look scary. There's a lot of lessons learned there, right? Like don't come across as like a big conglomerate home buying bad business. Like this is friendly family. You know, we're just, People like you looking to buy a property. Yeah, and it's something for me that I take really, really like to to my core. It's incredibly important. Is I do not want to be like a sleazy investor. Like I hate the words investor. I actually use the word home buyer mm. because there's so much negative connotation with investing or an investor. They're going to take advantage. And yes, we do these houses at a discount, but we're solving a problem for these people. And we explain to them all of their options. We're just one of those options. And we're completely transparent. 
And the houses we're buying are not going on the MLF and getting conventional or they might get conventional offers, but they're definitely not getting the FHA offer. And if digital houses can get more money, we tell them like, hey, this is what we can pay. Like do what maximum, like maximum value or convenient max speed. Yeah, maximum convenience. Yeah. And I love they that. Get to choose. <laughs> and people take these offers. Like I was not, like I did not, I had a limiting belief around it. I was like, no way. No way is someone going to take a discount of 30% off like what their house is worth. People take it all day long just because of the situation they get themselves into, you know, or they don't want people in their house. They're embarrassed or there's just so many reasons, but it works. <laughs> so. so, so that's interesting, right? Are people calling now you, you solved the whole, the whole phone thing. It wasn't coming directly to you. It went, it got routed. Did you route it to a service that screened it well, and then it came to you? We actually hired our own ISAs and trained them and got our own. Um, so everything's in-house. Like, we don't use gotcha. any outside, like, uh, vendors. We train. This is something that it's Frank's genius, and he's really helped me, like, to keep our costs down because this is an expensive. It's definitely a very expensive business to run. Mm-hmm. Um, we hire in, we hire a lot of people in the Philippines, but we teach and train them and have, like, to get them to fit into, like, our model we don't hire expensive talent and expect them to just know what to do, like to know what to do. Um, we have, because of our margins, we have to teach, tra- train and coach. And I love our team in the Philippines. Like we've, they're like family now because we've taken the time to teach them and coach them. And they've been with us. Most of them have been with us since we started or we've heard awesome. their family or their friends. <laughs> So for those that don't know, an ISA is an inside sales associate, yeah. right? And so they've got, all the calls are going to them using a software, maybe like call rail or something routing directly right to them. The calls yeah. are recorded, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. And so and when you get a live one, right, are you buying then these properties sight unseen? Are you? So I have what we call like an estimator that goes out on the ground. And the person in Omaha that we hired was used to be our property manager. So he had been our property manager. We have a really good relationship with him. We trusted him. And I basically explained to him, hey, this is what I need to see in a video in order to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And he would go out. He'd call up the sellers. Um, so it removed me from the process almost completely because he would call up the sellers and be like, hey, like, I'm Chris. I work with Katie and Frank. And we use the script. Katie's at home with the kids. Like, she's busy, but I'm going to, you know, I know more about this than she does. I'm going to come out, get her all the information, and then we're going to make you an offer. And he would go out, do the video, and build a rapport with the seller. And the sellers love him. Super personable. And he would always say, like, well, Katie would say this. Or Katie would think this. Or so he always referenced me. Mm-hmm. Which is super important because people felt like they had a relationship with me without me ever talking to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not allowed to talk to any of these sellers because I'll give the farm away. Like, I, <laughs> like I, I've done it. Your, your like, empathy will start Yeah, I could see it. Oh, the once oh, I don't have money for my kids. Like, I have to sell this house and it's like, we haven't closed. It's been two months and I need money. I'm like, here's $2,000, you know, like to pay your bills. And Frank was like, like there's some times I got burned, like the yeah. like the sob stories. Like I got so burned, and but I so we had to remove me from the situation because mm-hmm. I am so I at the beginning. Let's say now I'm sure. a little I'm a little better about it now. Like okay, I don't put up 
as much shit as they used to know. But at the beginning, I felt so bad for a lot of these people and their stories. And they are really sad. Some of these people are really sad stories. I had one lady, I was the first person, I actually went out there. This is, I was out there for something else and I went out and like met her. This was the only house I ever walked into. Mm. That was the first house that she had, or that was the first person she let in her house in 10 years. Mm. And it was, the walls were covered in yellow smoke, like yellow soot from smoking. She had a little path from the kitchen to the bedroom mm. and everything else was just covered. And I was like, you, we need to get you out of here. Like it's like a safety hazard. She's going to fall asleep, like smoking a cigarette and the whole place was going to go up in flames. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she finally like was like, okay, like I'll let you help me. And we actually had a short, we short sold the house. She owed exorbitant amount of money on the thing that it wasn't worth. But I helped her find a, we helped her find a nursing home to move into. We helped mm-hmm. her get the belongings that she needed out of the house. And then we like took care of everything else. And she still now calls me like a friend for life and sends me emails every once in a while. So that is but awesome. That was, the yeah. and that was the first and last house I ever walked into because I'm like, I, I can't emotionally do this all the time. <laughs> well, you know, that, that should crush some people's limiting beliefs that they have to go look at the property, that they have to be in the same area. Mm-hmm right? Yeah. You could you could develop a framework that allows people to go look at the houses, reference you, build that relationship. So who ends up making the offer? Is it is it you? Is it... Um, um, okay. my, it depends. Most of the time, it, it's not me. It's my estimator on the ground. Um, okay. They're employees of ours, so they, they can make the offers on our behalf, and they are unlicensed. Okay. Um, but they are, in, they are employees of ours, and we pay them like a an hourly bonus. Got it. Very cool. So one of the things that I I I, I want everybody to to hear, right, mm-hmm. is that it's not always perfect, right? There's mistakes oh. all the time that happen in this business, lessons learned. And oh. so what would you say are some of your biggest ahas as you've started building this and we're going to go into how you've scaled it but you know i'm just curious as some of your ahas of how you you've learned along the way the biggest thing is trust but verify like i'm an incredibly trusting person i just want to believe everyone's going to do the right thing um i don't and i still believe that i don't think people set out to do the wrong thing they just get caught or like get in too deep and what i'm specifically talking about is contractors Mm. Um, you hear this all the time in the investment world. And of course I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. You know, like I have a great relationship with my contractor. He's amazing. Well, the biggest thing that happened with me and our contractor, I ended up losing over a hundred thousand dollars with this contractor after he successfully did 15 jobs for me, 15 jobs. Perfect. I had the same thing happen. Yeah. It's like it was 15 jobs that were perfect. But what I realized now is I was his meal ticket, if that makes sense. Because of those, he wasn't working for a lot of other people before me. And he had one crew. And then with me, he brought on three or four crews, you know what I mean, to to do three or four jobs for me at a time. And he didn't have the managerial skill to handle four, four crews at a time. Things started getting missed. Um, he wasn't checking on the jobs himself. Mm-hmm. His subcontractors, his subcontractors like sent him a photo. They positioned it just perfectly. I was supposed to have a pool filled in. They positioned it just perfectly and let put the dirt up so it looked like the pool was filled in. So 
literally like my agent goes, this was a flip, the one and only flip I ever did in Omaha because it was a freaking nightmare. That's something else I would never do from afar. Do not do a flip from afar. It is too detail oriented. Fix or rentals are fine. But he, my agent comes back and he's like, do you know there's still a giant hole in like the backyard we're supposed to go on the, the market like in two days? Um, <laughs> And I had paid my contractor for it and he paid yeah. the subcontractor for it. But it was little things like that that kept happening. Um, so now something that we do is I have a third party, like a runner, go out and get videos and give me videos or to get very detailed information before I issue payments from a bar. Mm-hmm. So I have to have a video, a verified video with someone I trust that's a third party, not my contractor. Um that could benefit from lying to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. What I've, what I, what I hear you saying is that you make a mistake and then you set up a system to help you fix that mistake mm-hmm. along the way. Right. So that it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So, it, um, so, and that's an interesting yeah, point. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> an interesting, I don't want people to, to kind of gloss over that. What you said was, Hey, fix and flip, right? You're going to spend a lot more money on a fix and flip, meaning you're going to put in all the nice stuff and that a burr is, you know, many times going to work better for you. One of the things I want to make sure that everybody heard was that with a fix and flip, there's a lot of details, right? You're typically doing a higher end renovation. Um, there's a lot of moving parts with that, but with a, a, a simple burr strategy, I mean, you're just improving a rental grade type of reno. It's a lot simpler to do. And Mm long-term, there's so much more profit in it for you, right? If you you do that. So, okay. Yeah. The only time we really end up with flips or now moving forward, it's very simple flips, but it's like the price point just doesn't quite work for the first strategy. Mm -hmm. Or I wholesale them to some people that do enjoy doing flips that are on the ground. I have some very um, good relationships with um, other investors in Omaha that I trust. And when I say, hey, I'm on this deal, they show up with cash and they get it done. And so I make a little, you know, sometimes I make 10 or 15 grand and that covers my mistakes on the rental sometimes. Sure. Yep. No, I get that. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys decide to scale it? Because you you tested this, you're like, okay, this is for real. We We should have an infrastructure. And then the next thing I know, you guys are partnering with people that you're friends with to buy bulk. Yeah, it was kind of on accident. Like it didn't, it wasn't something I set out to do or something I wanted to do. It was kind of like, hey, this is what Rick and Katie are doing. And I had people like knocking on our door, basically saying like, can you do this for me? And I'm like, Ooh, like, how do I, like, how do I do that, you know, for other people? Mm-hmm. And one of my things is, is I really only want to work with people that I enjoy and I want it to be treated like a partnership. I did not want to be in, I didn't want it to be like an employee employer relationship or a client customer type relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was happening is our infrastructure at Omaha was getting very expensive with our ISAs, um, transaction managers, um, virtual assistants. I can't remember exactly how much it was. I think it was about $10,000 a month to pay for everything so that I'm not doing everything myself. Because if I was doing everything myself, there's no way we would have been able to buy all these houses at scale. Yeah. Um, and so we had to figure out a way to kind of cost share, like the infrastructure. And we're like, well, this is how we can kind of do it. So we ended up partnering. Um, one of our first partners 
down in Lico uh, with Tim Heil and Matt Patolsky. Mm-hmm. And they both have like businesses they're running and they're in real estate and they're running real estate teams and real estate businesses, but they didn't have the time to devote to building their own wealth through real estate. And so we figured out a way to kind of partner with them where I go out and I do all their acquisitions and they share in all of our um like all of our infrastructure and it keeps our costs down. And then we had to partner with them on the equity and the equity and the analysis that we're buying. And we kind of run it for them and we have weekly meetings and say, hey, here we go. And this is what happened. This is what's going on. They're like, cool. <laughs> They're just like, great. You know, they they did provide us. So kind of how it works is they provided us with the line of credit and the money to purchase the houses. And then they pay us like a monthly, a small monthly fee to help pay for like infrastructure. And so we did that with a couple other people as well. And um, it's worked out so far, but it's, I mean, there's definitely some things have broken, you know what I mean? Sure. Throughout the process. Um, something that's super important in this process is to have people on deck all the time for new positions. Um, so making sure that you keep your hiring going. So that's an expense that we kind of all cost share in is making sure our hiring is always going. We always have someone to slide into the next, the next role. Um, because if you don't have an estimator on the ground that can go on your appointments and you did a $10,000 mail drop, you got to have a backup plan. Yeah. You need a backup plan. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. And we have that happen. And so now we've actually been able to even go on some virtual appointments. So my main estimator, um, slash he's taking over acquisitions for me now. We can hire runners to go out and do videos for us. And then he'll negotiate over the phone or over Zoom um, kind of as a stopgap until we find someone else. And it's been working great. Just the timeline a little slower. It takes a little bit longer to like get the contract signed, but we're still getting the same amount of contract signings moving forward. What are some of the KPIs you guys are looking for? I mean, now I'm going to get it. I won't go too nitty gritty, but I'm just curious. Like, hey, we want to buy five houses a week or five houses a month or what is it? In each market, the minimum is to get four houses of your contract a month, keep two and wholesale two. Um, Mm, That's a good, that's great. I love that. So that that kind of covers, you know, the wholesale is cover. Yeah. I'm so bad at wholesaling. I hate wholesaling. It like, it drives me crazy because I'm like, that's freaking money out the window. You know what I mean? Like I hate it. Um, I'd rather keep it as a rental. And if the finances, if we're in a situation where I can keep it as a rental, I keep it as a rental. And even my other partners are the same way. They're like, don't sell, don't sell. If you need more money or if we're off by 10 or 15 grand, just ask us, we'll put more money in, you know, because sometimes, sometimes these burst strategies, they're not perfect because you run into your initial bids shows, Hey, I just need cart or I just need laminate flooring appliances and paint. You're like looking at, you know, let's say $12,000. And then you get in there and you realize the plumbing's completely shot and there's another $7,500 where the AC unit goes out. There's, you know, 5,500 bucks. Yeah. Um, so it's like crap, like there's that extra cash. And then the appraisal doesn't, it doesn't work out on the appraisal. So you're about 70, let's say $7,500 off when you go to refine you, mm-hmm. that you have to come out of pocket. I'd rather come out of pocket that 7,500 if I have it and keep the asset than sell it over 7,500 bucks. 100%. 100. Actually, yeah, I won't go into my whole story with that, but, but (laughs) one of my main drivers of just not, I always felt like I was killing the golden goose, right? That was laying the egg every time I wholesale something. And I was like, I've got to stop doing this. 
right? It's like, I hate it. And I hate wholesaling. Um, but I do, there's a part of me that does, doesn't mind it too much, especially in Omaha, because I tend to wholesale to my friends. I have a couple of friends that are like, oh, hey, good. you know, I'm in on this, you know, and one of my, now my contractor um, is actually someone that's known Frank since college as well. He lived with us for a while, like when he went through like a divorce, like we're really good friends and I wholesale stuff to him. I wholesale stuff to three of my best friends that um, they kind of put together a partnership where I don't own any of that, but I'm able to like, you know, help them build their wealth and which is really cool and exciting. That's and cool. That, I don't know, it doesn't feel as bad anymore. <laughs> Okay, so you had this contractor uh, issue that came up, right? And you you mm-hmm. you had the hundred the hundred thousand dollar lesson that was there. Um, any others? Any others that kind of like ring a bell to you? Any 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 deal uh, that you were like, oh my god, like this thing was an absolute like that- yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one, and this is um, something that I think where you really need to have a good bank and banking relationship. I'm really grateful that this happened, but it's stung at the time. Um, in, right before COVID, I was looking at buying a package of 62 houses. Hmm. And at the time, I didn't have, you know, the down payment money for it. Like we were still getting our lines of credit. So I looked to partner with someone. Um, and there was lots of promises and agreements between me and the partner, but no, nothing was ever officially written out. We kind of went back and forth on like the operating agreement because what we were saying to each other was in alignment, but what was coming back from his lawyers was not in alignment with what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I um, put up $100,000 of my own money for this, for this deal to go through and kept getting told for them from them like, hey, yes, like we're gonna we're going through and then we're gonna show up with money at closing. Like, and at the final hour, my bank was like, we need that operating, we need that operating agreement. My bank went through the operating agreement and it was like, Katie, this is we can't do the loan on this based on a small hidden down in the operating agreement um, on like the interest payments, and it was just so heavily weighted towards them. And basically tied my hands um, from even making any money. Mm-hmm. And they, my bank was like, we can't fund it. So I'm like, whatever, I'm still going to go through with this deal because my partner said they could have paid cash for it. And I knew they had the funds. I, they had let me hard money before. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of hard money when we were first starting. And I knew they had the funds for this. And at the final hour, they just decided we're not going to fund it cash and my bank wouldn't wow. fund it with their 25% down. And we were in agreement that the, that we would split the um, earnest money deposit because we were going to lose it. Mm-hmm. I never saw, I never saw $50,000 from them. Never heard from them again. Oh my um, goodness. And these are people that like, I made a lot of money. And by the way, at the time I still had hard money loans out with them and I paid every single dime, even though I probably should, like I didn't have to. Wow. Wow. I gave them back every single dime. And I just, once the, once once again, one of those things like trust but verify. And sure. I'm so grateful my bank caught that because if I would have signed those papers and I would have gone to business with them, I probably would have lost even more money or been held accountable for even more things I didn't understand at the time. And that was a good $100,000 lesson. And all, that almost, when I like that, almost, that crushed me. Like, yeah. I give up. 
Yeah. And this is, I was ready to give up. Frank was like, we're done. <laughs> I mean, because like, that hundred, I put that $100,000 on the line of credit. It was like, not like a credit card. Yeah. And, I, and then COVID happened. Oh and, my God. Yeah. And then, oh, hey, I, oh, you guys must have been freaking out because I know like everybody oh. shut their marketing spend off around that time, right? Everyone stopped their marketing spend. My bank, some like my bank to pull on my refinances. Like I have a $2 million refinance going right now. My bank and all my, all my stuff's on hard money loan. Like how, how am I going to pay this shit? Oh and my God. So, yeah. and then are my tenants going to pay? Like, yeah. Like, oh, I remember. I think Frank and I, I think for eight weeks, we're going to complete see the shock. Like, what are we going to do? We pulled all of our money, like all of our money out of all of our savings accounts, all of our Vanguard accounts, all of our stock market. And we're like, okay, we can make our mortgage payment for like six months if no one pays. And we're broke. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, and then we're broke. Like, there's nothing. Like, how are we going to make this happen and make this work? And it was that was one of those like emotional times where like I literally was so ready to quit. But then like I kind of got back there and I was like, well, if I quit, how the hell am I going to pay back the hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and if I could go back wall. now. If I could go back now, I would have doubled. If I like now knowing what I know, I would have doubled down in March, April, and May and just bought everything because then all of a sudden price has skyrocketed and it got super competitive even at Omaha, which is crazy. But my it all worked out. But you that was a really that was a that was a crappy time. Oh, I I, I feel you. I remember I, I I came home and I'm like Kim. I think we're screwed, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we ha- have owned all these properties. I'm like, nobody's going to pay. So the big thing that, you know, the big thing I was shocked to, 80% of our tenants continued to pay, right? And luckily, we are in an area that that there's a lot of virtual workers here in this area. So yeah. that that was good. There was a small portfolio of properties that we own in a sub-market that they're low dollar, that nobody paid, right? Which like. Is- which is crazy because what's what's your like what's that price point like of rent that did us have? Oh, so oh, it was inexpensive. It was like five fifty, six hundred bucks a so month. That's yeah. that's where I had a really really hard time. Those tenants, the four, five, six hundred dollar tenants, didn't pay. Yeah, all of my other tenants paid, and I was so incredibly lucky. And I'm talking like between nine hundred and fifteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah, we had really really good relationships with our tenants. And we worked with them. We helped them get assistance if they couldn't pay or they said, hey, like, we're going to be behind, but we'll catch up. We just made it really clear to our tenants, like, hey, like, we'll work with you if you work with us. But if you don't work with us, like, when the moratorium's over, like, we will come, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we will do what we can to get, like, you know, get our money back. And I couldn't even imagine being in a position if I was just like, a, I say mom and pop, like, where you go two or three and everyone stopped paying. Like, Yeah, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. Like, thank God we had the reserves and the ability to pay just for the, I think we had four or five that didn't pay a couple of us. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even the whole time. What's interesting is we we just got a check. Um, I think it's, maybe it's in the process of getting funding right now. We just got approved. But it was $22,500 for um, tenant re- rent relief program. Because there was one here locally in our backyard that they just, just didn't pay, didn't pay, didn't pay. And the rule is, I mean, they have to stay in the house 
in order to receive that rent relief program, yeah. right? So it's like this yeah. CAT 22, right? We have the same it's, thing going on too. Right. And some of our tenants in the low, you know, in the in that kind of that sub-market, I mean, they just vacated the houses after a while and there was no way to recoup, you know, 18 months of rent. Now, luckily yeah. we have the reserves in order to take care of that. But I just imagine if that that had been some of our higher price properties, we would have would have been in, yeah, we were very, in a lot of trouble. Fortunate. And I think too, a lot of these, a lot of our tenants, we kind of tend to under rent by, you know, like I'd say $75 to $100 below market. And yeah. we're greatly on the words. We fix whatever you want. Like I also rent, I don't, I love rent to people with like financial issues, but I do rent to people that like may not be able to get rented, rented to someplace else. Like maybe they have something on their record, but you know, like they've been, they're, they have a steady job. They have a family now, like, so I rent to people that love renting from us. So they didn't want to screw that up. And they, you know what I mean? Like they were, they were like, dude, if we leave, yeah. we can down here, where are we going to go and get the same deal, the same service and the, this nice of a house? Yeah, that's a, that's a business strategy. This is a great business strategy, mm-hmm. right? We, we do the same thing. We always keep them under rented for five, about 75 bucks, right? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, they, they, if somebody complains about a rental increase, I'm like, just go look into the marketplace and then they come back and they're like, oh yeah, I've got, I'll I've stay. got a good deal. I'll stay. Exactly. I've got a good deal. I'll, I'll do the additional 25 or $50 a month, right? Yeah, just- that's, we don't ever, um, we've actually just started. I haven't increased rents on any of my tenants. Like if they stay, I'm having increased rents. We're now starting because we have expenses and like property taxes went up. Taxes will go up. Yep. And so now I've had to start looking at it. And so now what we do is like say they're at a thousand bucks a month right now and markets twelve hundred. We'll up up to eleven hundred. You yep. know, I don't go up to twelve, but I'll up to eleven hundred and then we'll go so that's and then we just start implementing the last like month or two, actually. How many markets are you guys in right now? You said four. So there's Omaha, um, Waco. Like McLennan County, Temple, Colleen, which is Bell County. Um, we are helping a friend in Chattanooga with like marketing, and I'm kind of like helping them um, advise them on what to buy. And then uh, Kansas City right now, and then I'm looking to go into Lubbock, uh, Lubbock or Amarillo. Do you have Antola? Yeah. Antola. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? Um, all of them. It's still my Omaha. favorite. Okay. Uh, Omaha just is my favorite um, because my contract, like contracting there is reasonably priced. I will tell you, Texas contractors are getting paid California prices right now. It's insane. Wow. Um, but I get way better deals on tax in Texas, but I'm always dealing with foundation issues in Texas because for some reason it's not required to have gutters on your houses and it doesn't come up with like a like inspection, like you know what I mean? Like most yeah. most uh, places, oh, gutters are missing. Well, it doesn't come up in Texas. And so tons of foundations are just destroyed by the water coming down. And so I'm having to redo foundations not one in every three houses I buy down there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which is really really expensive. Is I there a market? Temple Temple and Bell County, like Bell County is a really good market. Um I'm starting to buy more there. And Where's Bell? I don't know where Bell County is. Where is that? In between Austin and Waco. Oh, got it. Okay. So it's so Temple, Colleen, Bell County. It's like 45 minutes outside of Waco, probably like an hour and 15 minutes outside of um, Austin. And that's a good market. Um, it's a little, it can be a little expensive, but if you can find good deals, it's a great place. Mm-hmm. Are you, um, 
Well, how do you pick your partners? I guess that's my next question, right? How do you decide who you're going to go into business with? Um, a lot of times it's, it's a friendship first, you know, it's people that I, that I like and I trust and that have similar um, styles, I guess, to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Most of the people that I've partnered with are business owners Mm -hmm. and they give me a lot of autonomy to do what I need to do in order to make stuff happen. And they understand, like, I'm a bulldozer, like in a sense where I'm just going to go out, like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go acquire property. I'll figure out all the problems later. Like, mm-hmm. let me, and this is where Frank and I make a really good team because Frank can come in and help me. Like, I'm like, here's my problem. This is what's going on. I get very emotional, like about stuff. And he's like, I got it. Let's figure it out. Let's systematize it. And he'll make, he'll pull all the information out of my brain. Um, yeah, and we'll figure out how to systematize like my issue or my problem. And so I can just keep going forward and buy more houses. Cause that's what like, that's what I want to do. I want to keep creating the wealth and hopefully I don't make a big enough mistake along the way. You uh, survive it. Yeah. I survive it. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm tenacious enough in that sense where I'm like, we'll figure it out. My accounting was a giant mess. Like mm. it was horrible. Like, but I knew in my head you're making money. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. I know in my head we're making money. We're not losing money. The appraisals are coming back great. We're getting money back on our refinances. Like, we didn't spend as much as we thought we were going to spend. Like, who cares? Like, let's keep going. If I could go back, I would have hired someone sooner to pick up my financial pieces rather than having to go back through and figure it all out. Oh, God, I did that too. <laughs> I did that too. I did that too. I mean, it's just, it's like, I'm like, And I don't, I have to, like, so now I actually have it set up. I work with my finance guy three times a week. And it's literally like school for Katie. You know, she's like, okay, Katie, this is what we need to do. This is how it needs to be done. I'm like, oh my God, this is so painful, but I'm so glad I'm starting to understand how it all works. Well, what's so interesting, it's just been a few years. It was, let me think about this. From the year 2016, Mm no, no, not 2016. 2000 and what when was it 2000 and maybe at a hardcore level let me go back it's probably 2006 till about 2011 right we created such a mess like me like we we just like bought so much stuff we were managing 300 properties yeah uh we we like I, I, there was so much development work that was going on. Money was coming and going and we didn't have a super solid financial, um, uh, background. And literally like one day I was like, what is going on in this thing? Right. And, and I, I literally had to hire somebody to become my, my financial coach yeah, and do exactly, exactly what you did and mm-hmm. sat me down and worked through like all the peanut, everything. And it was the biggest blessing for me as a business mm-hmm. owner, right? I knew I could go get deals. I knew I could go put things together. Yeah. But the, I was always like, oh, that's the money is for somebody out later. I'll Hello, do that later. Figure out. Somebody figure it out. Yeah. Biggest mistake you could make as a as a as a business owner, by the way. Yeah. And I will say like hiring like an account receipt paying very expensive. So like something that you could do like in the interim, like just to make sure your books aren't a complete mess, it's hiring at least a bookkeeper that you get all your expenses to that meet with them at least once a week, you know, just to make sure your expenses are at least categorized correctly. And then you can deal with the big financial stuff, maybe like down the road later or hire someone to focus on that. But first and foremost, like the first hire, like I think I would have, um, but make sure you're like, you're meeting with that bookkeeper 
to actually categorize your expenses and put them toward each property as you go. I just had them call me up and ask me about something from 2019. I was like, I have no idea. Like, just throw it in. Like, do whatever you want. Throw it in a miscellaneous expense. Like, I, there's no way I'm going to remember this stuff. Yeah. And so now I have I have a bookkeeper that keeps track of everything. She's actually in the Philippines too, and she's a certified CPA. And she's oh, wow. Wonderful. Yeah. I think I have her for eight bucks an hour or something like that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so I just, every bill I pay, every receipt, I just throw to her. And then once a week, she's like, Katie, uh, I don't know what this is. I'm like, cool. And I let her know because I at least have it in my brain because it's fresh. And then yeah. now I'm meeting with our CPA. We hired a really great CPA who's asked me or has volunteered to work with me three times a week so that his life is going to be easier. <laughs> Yeah, that that's fantastic. I, he's so he's doing a he's doing a return for all of our partnerships, you know, like and to do. I mean, I just got a return back from Clubs. It's really, I think it was 140 pages last night. Like that's oh, insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got a lot of partners, right? And you well, got a lot- just in Clubs. In Clubs, it's really that's just the houses Frank and I own, like 100. Mm-hmm. percent And then I have K ones from all of their partnerships too now, which is crazy. <laughs> the majority of your houses that you guys own uh, are they in Omaha? Yes, I own everything we own. I own in Omaha. Um, the one I do own one in Texas right now that I bought as a flip. I don't know why I did it. I was having a moment. It was this beautiful historical house. Oh, and that's something else you guys don't do. Do not buy an historic mm-hmm. home. Um, I just had this like it. I was drawn to this house. I thought it would be such a great deal. Dealing with um, all the historical ish like um permitting and stuff is a nightmare unless you have a contractor or you're well versed or have an incredible exorbitant amount of time to deal with it it's not worth it yeah yeah so no yeah six months and it's sitting there with a hole in the roof because they won't approve me to get a new roof yeah that's not good that's not good (laughs) well what's the next uh we'll start wrapping it up right now but what is the next two to three years look like for you? What's kind of the vision for you guys? What do you want to do? You, know, you want to continue you buying? You want to slow down? Do you want to pay them more off fast? Like what, what are you guys thinking? Well, how this all started too was like the whole idea was Frank and I to have a million dollars in passive income um, in 15 years when all of these houses were paid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're pretty close to that. Like mm. when all these houses are paid off, um, so that's kind of how it started. Now we're definitely looking to going into multifamily. I started um, multifamily really fascinates me um, in a sense that I'm having 19 projects going on. I can have one project, you know, and I can kind of focus on one project. But I kind of built the team, the systems in the single family where it's kind of it's churning and it's doing really good, really well. Right? It's yeah, it's doing it's doing well. My goal is to not be in front of on Zoom meetings anymore. I'm tired of meetings. I'm tired of Zoom meetings. I want to be like kind of just with my key people like once or twice a week. And I want it to run on its own. And I want to hang out with my kids and kind of go back to being a little bit of mommy. But mm-hmm. having some, I would say like passion projects. Like I talk, mm-hmm. one of my girlfriends that I keep talking about doing now that we're in Tennessee and it's more affordable. I want to do like a development, like a build to rent mm-hmm. single family houses or duplexes, not apartments. Um, or we talked about going out and raising money in some way, shape or form to invest back into real estate with people that want to own real estate, but don't want the, like the responsibility of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. We're kind of still trying to figure out kind of what the next couple of years looks like, but definitely slowly pulling me out and like empowering the people that are need me to do a really good job and keep the machine moving so that I can go out and do more higher. I see higher level stuff because being in operations is not, not my forte. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it, it's, there's a natural progression, right. That occurs. Mm-hmm. Essentially you become the chairman of the business, the shareholder yeah. of the business. And your job is to empower people to make the right decisions. You coach them, you develop them yeah. and you go on to other projects and make the world bigger, right. For you, for you, for the family that, you know, everybody that's involved with you, right. Yeah. You're just going to make it bigger. Right. Yeah, I just want to. I want to do some fun things. Like I want to, and I want to hang out with my friends. And I'm like, hey, let's go here for a week and let's figure out what to do next. You know, and let's go hang out on the beach. And I just, I love real estate, and I love the opportunities real estate gives people. And I, there's no barrier of entry to real estate, which I think is amazing. And yeah, any anyone can do it. And I do want to say too, like I think so many people are so afraid to like take that first step into investing, and it's like just buy one, just do it once you know, like, yep. and move forward with one because you'll be so grateful and so like, and thankful that you did 10, 15 years from now. Yeah. You know, like that, wouldn't you agree with that? So many people are so afraid to do it. And I'm like, 100%, 100%. I mean, one, one of my, one of my passions, uh, our mission, like I'm, I've, I've launched this channel called the income flip, right? Taking your earned income and flipping it to to passive income uh, is helping real estate agents do that because there's so many agents that I know that are in the grind for 15, 20 years yeah. helping people buy and sell and never, ever bought any. Yeah, they never did someone else's wealth and never look at their own crap. And it's like, yep. yeah. And like, That's right. below your mean, like, like Frank and I lived way below our means and invest now, like invest in your future now so that you can like, live, like, Frank and I, like, when Tamar 45, like, actually now, like, I'm done serious right now. Like, we could be done. Like, I wouldn't yeah. have to work if mm-hmm. I didn't want to. But that's awesome because Frank's business does really well, like, pays for all of our bills. And then I'm able to focus on building our wealth. Um, but like, Yeah, that's a powerful like, machine. It really is. And I have to, I have to say, like, I'm very lucky that I'm able to do that. And... That's some, this, I don't believe investing can be your full-time job if you're trying to do the birth strategy. Like you need kind of like an income that supports you your daily life. And then yeah. like, don't count on this business for income right now. It's, this is building wealth and this is building your retirement. It's not right now money. If you keep, if you use that as a business for right now money, you'll lose track of the goal of the building the wealth and the passive income leader in life. Yeah. That's such such wise advice. I always tell everybody you need to create a machine that creates earned income mm-hmm. so that you can then take that earned income and, and buy yeah. passive income, right? And and you have to, that machine's got to start operating by itself so that you can put your brain in a wealth building mode, right? right. You can go in and out, in and out, but it's slow when you go kind of in and out, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you know, you start putting your brain on the investment side, well, then your 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 money machine side could could break, right? Until you, until you hire the right people. It's like you're building people in that earned income side so that you can remove yourself so you could focus on the wealth building side. Or you do what you guys did. You, the power couple, right? One has that income side and the other is doing the wealth building side, which by the way, you and I talked about, I think, you know, Linda, Linda and Jimmy kind of had that same dynamic, 
going. Yeah. Right. They really did. So like, they really did have kind of that dynamic. Like, and I love, love Linda talking to her kind of, cause I think there's, this is something else I kind of talked about with some other people. There, being a mom, you know, and building a business while your husband also runs his own business, there's a lot of like mom guilt sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Linda and I talked a lot about that and how um, she kind of, she's like, mom guilt will kill you, you know, like get over it. She's like, and then I should like, I'm telling you, like my kid, she's older than me. Her kids are actually closer to my age. She's like, my kids now thank me for the fact that I was out there growing and building and doing because they see that like, they still think I'm a great mom, you know, like mm-hmm. they're still, ha- they're so happy that they saw that. Now they have the, like that foundation they're out growing and building and doing. And as much as my six-year-old and my five-year-old are like, mommy, stop working. And like, they, oh God, they're, they're, they know exactly what buttons to push. Crap, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I have to like, be like, I'm so something I do do. And I take, I try to like, you know, cut a, a bound, like a boundary, like line where it's like, if someone from school, like I'm going to be in mom mode for this amount of time. And yeah. it's really hard working with Frank. Sometimes because Frank wants to work all the time, you know? Yeah. 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 He gets super creative on the evenings and the weekends. Um, and that's when I want to spend time with the kids. So it's just creating a boundary where it's like, okay, like I work and it's great that I work and I want my kids to see that I work, but I also have to have like focused time with them. So there's like a little bit of a balance, but like cut out, you know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't want work to totally pour into home, especially as a mom, that makes sense. But you also want your kids to see you work hard and, yeah, you know, like, so I don't know. It's kind of, it's an interesting, well, it's an interesting what? dynamic. Yeah, my wife and I went through that too. I mean, our daughter's 19 now, right? So I I asked her a, a, probably a year ago, and she knows how to push my buttons too. And I was like, baby, yeah. baby girl, what what do you remember the most about like early in the beginning, right? Like when you when you start remembering like back in your early childhood, and she goes, you and mom worked a lot, right? And I was like, oh, oh, right. Um, but she, but but what she also says is that she she was grateful to learn a lot of this stuff through osmosis because we would take her, like we would yeah. take her to these houses, right? We would, we, and she saw this stuff. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Like it's crazy. It, our kids watched Frank does webinars and videos all the time, and Frank had to talk about work in front of kids. So we just moved to a new school in Tennessee, and they're like, "Your kids' vocabulary is insane." <laughs> Yeah, they listen to us all day long, and I'm like, "Did they say bad word?" <laughs> like, oh my gosh, because they hear everything that we say, but they use the but they use the word intelligently, and I think it's really cool that they get to you know see that, and that's how I grew up too. Like, I'm very grateful that I grew up. My dad has been in the real estate business since he was 18 years old, and owns real estate offices, and he's he's done amazing, you know, in the real estate world. And I think that's kind of where I got my bug, you know, with the real estate. Yeah, even though he does he doesn't do hardly any investing. He does a little bit, but I would be investing route. He owned brokerages with like the retail side. Mm-hmm. And, but it was just so cool. Like, cause I had a foundation in the real estate world to like jump me Feel off. confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you're like, Hey, this has been in, in the family blood for a long time. Yeah. So I do. I feel like I was born with it in my blood. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing, Tom. I appreciate it. Like, this is awesome. I right? We could talk forever. <laughs> we could. We could. I mean, I think you're going to inspire a lot of mompreneurs, right? And, yeah. um, you know, if if anybody wants to find you, or actually maybe you're like hidden and anonymous and you're like, I don't want anybody to 
look at me. But do you like have an Instagram handle or anything like that? Or you can people track any of your I don't know stuff? Instagram. I don't okay. like it. So, but I wear an um like Katie. I think it's oh my god. I have to like look up the website. <laughs> well, it's like Frank. it's like it's like actually it was so funny. It was like I remember when Frank told me he got rid of his cell phone, right? And he's oh, like, wow. I don't I don't have a cell phone. And mm-hmm. I was like, I love this guy. Like he is just so. Do that the whole do a whole podcast on that. Like I can. It's so funny. People are always like, "How are you married to a man with no cell phone?" And you guys, he legitimately has no cell phone. Like it's not yeah. a joke. And he runs an advertising business and a huge business. Yeah, and he has over five hundred clients and sixty employees, and he has no cell phone. And he has a wife and two kids that has no cell phone. <laughs> but you're um, like, so to there's Katie and Katie and Frank Homebuyers in our um, like website, but I want. I'm on Facebook, like Katie Kledlitz, or um, you can email me at Katie Kledlitz and Gmail, which is K-A-T-Y, Kledlitz, K-L-E-S-I-T-V at Gmail. Like, And if I don't get back to you right away, don't take it personal. I promise I'll get back to you at some point. <laughs> just got kids. Yeah, I, well, no, it's just like, I'm I'm so, my emails are so full of crap right now that I'm trying to like offload. And then I do a lot of my like, I try to. I want to make sure I'm thoughtful in my responses, so I don't want to like get caught up into being like. You know, I'm looking at mine right now. Three thousand three hundred sixty-eight. That's, That's what it's at. Unopened, though. Unopened. Three thousand three hundred sixty-eight. Now, joking. no, I'm not joking. I can. I can. I'm not. I'm not joking. Now, a lot of them are. There's a lot of spam in there. There's a lot of things that have been filtered, right? But. Like I, I know what's important. I see stuff come in. I track it. I answer the important stuff. But yeah, I, I think I just need to like clear it all out and start all over again and, and get a new get a new email address. Well, that's something that I do. Like I actually like I leave it in my email box. Like if I need to still answer it, like I'll open it and then as soon as I've answered, I archive it so that it's like out of my like out of my viewpoint because otherwise out of view. Yeah, it's a good yeah. idea. I need a system so. around that. Obviously, I don't have a system around that. <laughs> Well, Katie, thanks so much. Tell Frank I say what's up and I appreciate you sharing some time. Okay. Okay, Thanks, Rob. Sure. Bye-bye.